And now, detailing success in PNS Double Black present the Rennie Doyle Podcast, a podcast for blue-collar entrepreneurs. Hosted by the detailer of Air Force One and founder of both Detailing Success and the Detail Mafia, Rennie Doyle. You, you really like to leave me hanging. <laughs> uh, you want me to go there? You want me to go there? We'll look at your to-do list. Uh, we... Uh, now, my, my computer, ever since yesterday, I changed all of the cameras over, and it would, not, nothing would come on. So I had to completely reboot my camera or my computer up and everything else. But gotcha. I got coffee. Yeah, there you go. You're never uh, shy on things to say anyway. Me? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was only 10 seconds into the thing, and I was out of words. Really? <laughs> well, you should. You know what? You need to learn to dance or, you know. We need yeah. to we need to get a karaoke machine that way you know in those days where I have technical difficulties. Well, no, I was I was. Um, I just start singing, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was do I was I was doing a workout, just part of my workout, and I, I looked down. Oh, I got one. I got time to do one more thing, and I was like, "Oh shit, no, I don't." I get to go over there, and then I got to reboot my computer. It's like, oh boy. So today's like uh, Q and A's. I love these. Uh, I don't. I, were you tracking all of them that coming through on? Facebook and stuff like that. Uh, I'm pretty sure I got them all, cool. but you know, I, I, added a, I, I last I, checked late last night. Yeah, I, I added a couple to the list, so we're. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. So, well, um, I think I think I've got enough here to keep us busy. Right. So, well, cool. Well, Roger's on. Hey, Roger, what's up? Michael, what's happening, man? How you doing, buddy? And uh, Gabriel's on, so we got a whole whole bunch. Let's go oh, ahead yeah. and start rolling into it. So. Christian uh, Ramos, we got Jeff at Fast Eddie's and, you know, Frank in Pittsburgh. You know, Frank joins us on the podcast. That's how we know Pittsburgh is still on the map. Pittsburgh's a cool town. Pittsburgh, you know, it back when the first time I went to Pittsburgh, it was a little rough. And then uh, now you go to Pittsburgh and it's there's some really cool, cool stuff going on in Pittsburgh. I wish Detroit would do the same thing. That, I think they are. I think Detroit's kind of trying to really do what Pittsburgh did. You know, it's just they, they had a hard time in the industry. You know, uh, really hit them hard, and it, it, it's all—all all of us need to take and uh, we need to take and revive ourselves every once in a while. So, yeah, let's let's jump in. We had a great week last week. Uh, we're 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 in Chicago, and uh, man, I'll tell you, among you know all the influencers were great. All the you know all the people there were great. The attendees is what got me going because that's what makes the world go around. You know, and to see so many. Uh, it was really cool because it was a blend of professional detailers and then really serious enthusiasts. And it was really cool to meet some people that we see here on the podcast or we, we see in Facebook or different groups and so forth. And it was really, uh, it was really awesome. So, yeah. So it was, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, it was the, uh, creator summit at car supplies warehouse. And it was the first time they did it and they brought in, you know, some industry influencers, creators, whatever it was. And then they brought in some vendors and we were there, you know, as part of the PNS team, right. As a vendor to work with the creators and make some content. And, uh, I think it was cool because, you know, I think everybody expected, uh, the creators to be kind of leading the way, but we also taught the creators a few things as well. Oh, uh, and, and you know, it's amazing. Cause you hear, you know, Pan the organizer. I mean, he's got you know just shy of a million followers on Facebook or on uh, YouTube, and you know 
hear all these things about these people. Oh, he's this, he's that, she's this, she's that. What a great group of people, man. They are giving. Uh, they were giving of their time. They were giving of their experiences. They were down to earth. And it was cool because they had some real big, you know, influencers with mega followers. And, and I think what Jason and team did was they brought in some new influencers with not near the bandwidth, but they could see people that were maybe coming up through the ranks and it was pretty cool. So, yeah, um, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, but um, you know what, Roger? I should have worn my hat, man. I still wear my hat all the time. It's one of my favorite hats. So, <laughs> so hey, you want to uh, you want to tell everybody about our shirts? Well, I think it's I think it's I think it's kind of evident. So we're kind of put putting a push on to get Bob and Dave into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, Voting is going to hear start. I think it already started. Maybe or nominations. Nominations started. Yeah, I think so. Not voting. Yes, the nominations have started. So. You know, Bob and Dave have done a, a fabulous job. They've had long careers, uh, you know, in, in car care. And we just love to see them recognized. Their dad um, was recognized in the first class. I was honored enough to be uh, among uh, the introductees that, that year with their dad. And, uh, and, and But it's time for Bob and Dave. And so they're great fellas. So we've got Josh Pierce um, made some shirts up. So we're just showing support for uh, – for Bob and Dave to get into that Hall of Fame, so we're we're excited to take and do it. We hope that you guys will uh, will join us, and uh, they definitely uh, they definitely need it. So it's not need it; they deserve it. That's a better. There you word. go. Sorry, I'm reading messages as I do it. <laughs> so I read a need in there. So yeah, it's fun. You're gonna see us wearing these every once in a while. Um, I I went to put on a really cool shirt yesterday. I got, I got all kinds of. I went on a, sh a shirt buying spree, but. Uh, one of them came in. It's awesome. I love it. It's kind of got my personality in it. And then the other one today was defect or yesterday was defective. Oh. oh man, that sucks. So I got I got a new shirt in the mail while we were out of town. It's a uh, a Myers Manx shirt, but uh, it, it it won't be a fun one for the podcast because the design is on the back. Oh well. Well, you'll have to stand sit backwards. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it might be a better view. Just saying. <laughs> Ha <laughs> <laughs> You know, we can make this the Chris show any well, minute, hold, anytime. Hold on, hold on, though. Hold on. That might have been a way of me flirting, saying that I like your butt. Oh, no. <laughs> See? I mean, you, you took it the negative way. You got to take it the other way that maybe I was checking out your stuff. No, oh, I think I like the negative way better. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, let's jump into this. This is a really fun one because most of them, I looked at a couple of the Facebook, two to be exact. So I got a little prepared on that one, but I really—I mean, I really didn't. It's pretty—they're pretty. I mean, not simple ones, but they're there's something that's common, you know, common common knowledge to me and a lot of people. Love to share it. So, well, the um, first the first one I'm going to bring up came in last minute through the email, and uh, so neither one of us has really given this one much thought yet. Um, <clears throat> so here we go. But it was, uh, you know, I'm going to mess up Jeff's last name. I'm not sure how to pronounce Jeff. Is it Couts? Fast you know, Eddies. It's Fast Eddies. And 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 Jeff will have to teach teach me in person because he's coming to training soon. But um anyway, his question was a little bit longer than this, but this is the gist of it because I was out of characters on the screen. Uh what are some ways you would define a detail business as successful? How will you know when I've made it? Mm. And uh, you know, he says that because 
you know, his calls are coming in, he's staying busy, all that kind of stuff. He feels like he's putting out quality work, but, um, but, uh, you know, he knows he still has a ton to learn, especially on the business side of things. That's okay because you can be there. I, I, I don't know if I've arrived yet. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Where's arrived when you've made it? I mean, the first thing is when you're happy. I mean, you got to truly be happy in what you do. And so different, you know, different business models are going to require or, or, or kind of mandate how far you go. Um, personally, I think that if you've got your bills paid, you're able to invest, you own a home, you know, uh, you're living the American dream. You're putting retirement away. You've got an nest egg stuck aside. You're able to take a vacation, ideally going one step further than that. I mean, so we've got a lot of people now. It's very, very popular. And I, I, I did it years ago, twice. I've done it three times is that I worked out of my garage. The first time was during the winter in Sun Valley, Idaho. Um, I snuck in. I didn't have permission, but I kept it real on the low. Um, is my, I didn't do a lot of volume. Um, my Jack Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway's son, was my neighbor. He loved it because I'd go over to keep him quiet because he was kind of the squeaky wheel in the neighborhood. We didn't have a normal neighborhood. So our property, we had a couple of acres, so it was kind of set aside. But... Um, some of my neighbors knew it and they loved it because they knew I was just getting a start and I was going after what I love to do. I wasn't doing what I did before. <laughs> I was happy. And so I, I think that, Jeff, if you take in, you know, it comes in chapters. It's, it's like reading a book, man. I, I, I can tell you uh, I'm on my second read of a book that, that Chris got me. And each chapter just keeps putting a smile on my face. It just I don't know if they're better, but when you link the chapters together, it, it's just a, a really good spot. And so I, I think that a lot of people, my idea, um, and, and I think going back, knowing what I know now, is that um, I wanted to change. Detailing was really tough to make it in back in the 80s and 90s. And um, you, you could squeak out a living, but it was tough. And it's not like now. So when I came back into it, 97, 98, is I really wanted to take and change the, the, the opinion, not of detailing, just in detailing of my market. I had no eyes on the, on the, on, on the national scene. It didn't take long, though. Uh, within the first year, I did because I got uh, tied in with Shell, uh, Shell Oil, uh, Shell Aviation, and all of a sudden was thrust onto a, a much bigger scene. But my biggest thing is I wanted to take and develop a very um, – a spa back then it was brand new. I wanted to do an auto spa where we offered many services uh, in the spa, the automotive spa. I wanted to take and create a solid income where I could own my home, which I did at that time. Um, I wanted to take and create an environment where I could keep, you know, we had a, a, a three, three of our four kids were, were, were born in, in by that time. Uh, our idea was maybe to keep Diane just working part-time, which we did. Uh, we wanted to, we wanted to buy a shop, which we we're able to do. Um, so I wanted the baseline of just being a happy dude and a happy family. And honestly, I look back and when I got on the national scene, I got stars in my eyes and I saw, wow, there's a lot of opportunity. Detailing's just not, we've done a great job of making it understood at the next tier of consumer and we're making profits that are unheard of. I can do this all over the place. And that really, really hunked up my lifestyle for a while because I grew too fast. Um, it, looking back, it wasn't quite scalable at that time. I didn't have enough 
control mechanisms. I didn't have enough uh, people to help me with it. So I had a lot of, 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 of pressure on my, myself. Uh, didn't have enough finances sitting in the, in the background to back it all up. And so with that, I kind of created a, a mess for myself. It was successful, but with all honesty, it was, it was, it was too much. And so, you know, I, I did slow it down and then um, it just took off again on its own. When we started the training thing, we started that, that was part of it. We had the spa going, we're going to do some training. Uh, we had again, no, no idea of, of how that was going to take off, but it just, and then it took off and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And then probably it took about three, four years. Oh, uh, eight happened, the big crash. So that was kind of a setback because I just sold the shops off uh, all but one. And so I was hustling to get the shop operating good. I was hustling to get the training uh, operating solid. So for about another three, four years, I really got back into the groove of just working my ass off. And by 2012, by 2012, uh, 11 was the last year I was busted. It was ugly, man. I overworked. And so long story short is that you got to watch what you wish for. Uh, you've got to design it with an idea in mind and, you know, talk to people because bigger is not always better in the case of, of detailing. I mean, there's people out there making it happen, but you know, I, I won't mention his name, but I, I was looking at somebody in, in this year, earlier this year, that's really got a good thing going. And I, I look at him and I remember back 17 years ago when I was that age and had a really good thing going and I can see extreme burnout in his soul. And he can't see it yet. I think he can feel it. I don't think the people around him, they don't know. And so I tried to say something that was kind of shut down nicely. It was, I said something nicely and it was shut down nicely because they look at opportunity. But I, you know, that person's going to have to come to that reality on it, on, on his own. And unfortunately some people, it, it takes a real big toll on you. And I just hope that doesn't happen. So yeah. You know, you met, you mentioned it a, a little bit ago. You talked about baseline, right? And, you know, I, I think a real simple way to look at it is, you know, set a goal and what's your goal, you know, and if you achieve it, I would imagine that's when you've made it, you know, on your own, on your own terms, right? I mean, you know, comparing ourselves to others is where things get, you know, can get interesting. So. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that um, I was talking to a good friend of mine that's been where the same exact uh, Rick Walling. I'll, I'll go and throw him out there. I was talking to Rick Walling yesterday, a very successful detailer out of Oregon. We're the same exact age. We're just hours apart in age. We've got a lot of similarities in our business, uh, you know, coming out, starting out back in the 80s. I left it for a while. Rick didn't. He just stayed at it. But, you know, he set himself up for success as being in his 50s. He's really into, into uh, motocross. Uh, still rides hard races. He's looking at a really big race this fall. Uh, matter of fact, he might miss SEMA because of it. And I was like, dude, I'd go to the race. Matter of fact, if you need a, a pit crew, I'll, I'll go, you know, because it's such a great opportunity. But he set himself up looking back. But both of us said, had we been in this generation coming up through detailing now, we should be 10 years ahead. We should be able to do what we're both doing right now at 47, not 57. And, and, and it takes careful planning. But here's the other thing both of us admitted. We could still be where we're both at. We're, we're just at different spots. That's all it is. It's just, just I went one direction, I turned right, he turned left, and we ended up at the same stop sign. So both of us agreed, though, 
we could have taken and relaxed more and done our passions more and still been where we're at. We still could have. It was a misconception in our minds and a fear that, you know, if we didn't push it this hard, it wouldn't happen. Now knowing what we do is when, you know, Jeff, when you get to that area, how much more do you want? How much more do you want to give up? Every time that you grow your business, if you're in a good spot and you've got money in the bank, you know, you got a year's worth of wages in the bank, you've got your house is in a good situation. Maybe you bought an investment property. Maybe you bought your shop. How much more do you want? How much more work do you want or how much more life do you want? That's what, and I'm going to tell you right now, Rick and I also, I think that if when you chase life a little more, I think success becomes a little easier. And it's hard because I don't want to get, get, I mean, there's people, you're going to have a decade into this thing of busting your ass. Simple as that. You're going to have to work hard, but it doesn't mean you can't have a life and you shouldn't have a life. You should. You, you got to know when to put that, that business on a dimmer switch. You need to know when it's bright. But if you go bright full on all the time, you know what happens to light bulbs when they're on 24-7, at least old-fashioned ones? They burn out. They, they, they just they burn out. They wear out. They're dead. They're no use. We take them out. We throw them away. And it's the same light. You don't want your light to burn out. You don't want, you don't want that to happen to you. And so, you know, talking to people that, that, that came up through um, the caveman era of, of, of our industry of blue collar is you guys don't, you don't have it easier. It's different. Um, it's louder. There's a whole, there's all kinds of things going on, but there's some definite benefits. And basically the biggest benefit is tribal knowledge, man. There's a lot of people out there talking and I, I, I see a lot of people it's call themselves successful, but they're out there, you know, in the forums, either hating or ragging or bagging or whatever it is, man, I, I just can't see my happy mind can't be occupied with that. I just, I can't see it. And so I got to ask myself, or is that person truly successful? Because peace of mind and a satisfied mind to me is as important as the money. Yep. Very cool. I love Let's getting, see. You know what? You know, it'd be cool to have that conversation with Michael, you know, is at some point we're going to bring him on and make a note, Chris, before we move, you know, as I'm answering the next question to bring Michael on and talk about that. When do you know when you've arrived? How do you know that you've, you've made it? Because that dude just, you know, when he speaks, you know, it's an old EF Hutton commercial. You can, most of you won't remember it, but when EF Hutton talks, people listen, you know, Michael, Michael starts talking and, and my my ears grow by 25%. And believe it or not, I, I shut up. I'm not real good at shutting up. But I do know when to. I know when to shut up. I know when not to talk. Last week, I didn't talk a lot. Last week, I listened a lot. Well, it would be a, uh, it's a good topic for an entire podcast, for sure. It is. And I think bringing him on is, is, is oh, look at He responded. Defined differently for everyone. And, and it will change over time. Ah, bam, what did I just say? You know, it's going to change. Mine's completely different now. My kids are grown, right? And we're still, believe it or not, I've got a kid all of a sudden, you know, Juan or boyfriend's kind of interested in starting to learn about the industry and detailing and maybe maybe looking at starting a shop up down the hill or something like that. I was like, whoa, you know, where'd this come from? But all of a sudden we have a little bit of a pivot and it's it's pretty cool. So hope that helps, Jeff. Very cool. Next one up is from Daniel Lang. It says, based on your previous previous experience if you were starting a detailing business today from the ground up 
Hmm. How would you do it, and what pitfalls would you watch out for? Pitfall. Well, I'd stay off. The only thing I'd go on social media for is market myself. Uh, I'd go to events. Uh, I would get trained and educated. Education is the biggest change that we've seen in this. And I'm not pushing ours. You can go to free educations. Is there's a lot of manufacturers. I mean, we put on. I, I put on a on a on a uh, uh, coffee coatings of profits thing. It's free. It's, well, it's usually like twenty bucks, but you get it back in. It merchandise depending on where I'm doing it. Education doesn't have to cost. You just have to invest the time. Um, I would I would look at my realities. Where am I at? Uh, how much money do I have uh, stocked away, put away? Uh, if this is too, mine was a side hustle on two different times, you know, where it was, it was, it wasn't a main hustle, but it was a side hustle. Well, the first time was just a way for a kid to make money and learn how to fly, you know? And so, um, I would, I would take and keep right now, I'll tell you, wash clays and coats, uh, anywhere from 200 to 600 bucks, depending on your market. Uh, I would, I would take and get connected. I would go where people of influence hang out in town, whether that's the chamber or the rotary. Um, I would go where no other detailer goes. If there's no group detailer there, that's where I, that, that's what I did is the chamber of commerce is a great asset. I would look the part. I would smell the part. I wouldn't roll in, you know, um, I, I've had nice vehicles over the years and when I still own shops, I didn't drive some of those vehicles out to customers. Uh, but there's a funny story with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and how he did get him as a customer finally. Uh, and I did drive something cool out to his place, and that's what got his attention. But I wouldn't roll big. A lot of detailers want to roll like their customers. And some of these people don't want us rolling like them. They want us to look professional, neat. I had a was over with uh, my dad lives in Vegas. He's moving to uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. I was over there. I was picking up a card. He, he, we went over and helped him with some stuff that he needed help with. And then um, he ended up giving a card to our daughter when we were there. We had AAA come out to uh, to check the battery out. Man, I'll tell you what. The van rolled up. It, I mean, I'm used to vans. I've built vans in our companies, right, all of our shops. Van rolls up super clean, strobes on it. Little tiny van, you know, just a little Ford, Ford van, right? It had strobes on it. Guy gets out, impeccable uniform, impeccable. Greets me, shakes my hand, looks me in the eye, says, okay, we got a battery problem. Give me 10 minutes, uh, and I'll, I'll have a complete analysis. Comes over, he's got a pad, goes through what it's going to be, battery's dead, shows me the test results, how much it is to put a new battery in, what my options are, 15 minutes, so he's out of there. Shakes my hand, very professional. Uh, that's the kind of connection you want to be. I would keep things as simple as you could and do a rowdy check on your inventory, okay? What's my, hey, what, what's my finances look like, okay? Honestly, what's my finances look like? B, what is what is my knowledge base? Everybody thinks it's the, the detailing side of it's easy. Polishing a car is easy. I hate to say it. In this day and age, is once you get, if you've got the right education and know-how, there's challenges in it, but running a business is a lot harder. Is that if we if you think that the detailing, the technical side is going to be the difficult side, it's like dentists and doctors when they get out. The reason why so many dentists and private practice doctors fail is they don't teach business in medical school much. It's a very short, short, short part of it. And the, and the, on, on, on the side of finances, it really gets them screwed up. It's the same thing with service business, blue collar. People think because I'm good at something that I will build it and they will come. And 
a lot of times, if you don't know how to manage money, if you don't have enough money to get going, if you quit your job too early, is that I kept a, set, a side hustle for the first three winters I was in business. Did I need to? First two I did is I had kids. Uh, the first two winters I had three, uh, two kids. The third winter I had a third kid. And so I just, I didn't really need to do it, but I, I did it anyway just to, to cover down. But what, what I had advantage of is I'd just come out, you know, I'd, I'd owned two other businesses, very successful, sold them off, went to work for a big corporation, did very well there. That's where I learned finance. That's where I learned a profit and loss statement. That's where I learned scalability. That's where I learned management. That's where I learned management of people. That's where I learned to be a follower within leadership. And a lot of people just can't understand that. Well, I'm a leader. I don't need to follow. Bullshit is that if you're, if you're going to lead, you got to know how to follow and drop back into line when, 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 when that time comes. There's times that people are going to lead you, uh, even if you're the top leader. And every, you look at a president, they got advisors. What do you, what do you think that is? The, 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 uh, the president's still the president, but they're getting advice. Um, I would take and do a uh, look at what you're going to do service wise. I would design a menu. I'd be very careful about that. I'd really design so many people have a menu and they all it's it's me too advertising. I, I looked matter of fact, every day I go on to Instagram and TikTok, and it's amazing on how many service providers, not just detailers, but period, look alike, sound alike, taste alike, price alike. And I'm like, I would look so different. I'd stand out. I'd st I would be memorable. Uh, and I wouldn't go after what everybody's going after is that I would be, I want to be the only person that offers my level of service and is connected uh, in my market. And so it's you, it's relationships, and it's marketing. It comes down to those three baseline items. And, and, and if you don't know how to do it, own it. Go take classes. Junior colleges are an amazing asset. Uh, we've got SCORE, you know, is, is, is an amazing asset. Toastmasters, an amazing asset. And all of those items are cheap, is it doesn't cost a lot. And it's just, there's, you could, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal one off of Carol Shelby, the great Carol Shelby, is I heard him in a speech. Um, I got one conversation I brag about it all the time, less than five minutes, still talk to him. Uh, it just <laughs> blows me away. But I heard him say one time, he was in his 80s, and he says, you could drop me butt ass naked in Michigan in January, and by June, I'm going to be back on top because I know how to. I don't need the money to do it. I know how to build the relationships. I got a passion for what I do, and I'll outwork everybody. There you go. That, that dude's amazing. He went through, he had to stop racing because his heart was bad. He had a heart replacement and he kept going into his 80s. Imagine the stress that guy was under at different points and why it didn't kill him. He just had a heart of a lion. You know, I'm surprised he's dead. I don't think he is. I think he's with Michael Jackson and Elvis. <laughs> Michael Jackson and Elvis and Shelby. Huh. They're all hanging out. <laughs> all right, let's see. Next I hope, one. I hope that helps. I hope that helps. <clears throat> Jose sent in. He goes, uh, how do you communicate effectively with high-end customers? My calls and text messages are often missed because they are so busy. You're not memorable enough. I hate to say it, is that they'll call you back and it takes time. I've been there. And, and, and being memorable, I'm not 
I'm not, I'm not dogging on you is I'd like to know how many years you've got in the business and how connected are you? How engaged? So for instance, Diane and I, well, and that's the other thing is high end. What do you, are there a lot of high end clients? What do you call in high end? I never wanted, I lived in one of the most exclusive, uh, wealthiest uh, communities in, in North America. And I didn't want the wealthiest. I didn't want that cream on top. Those guys were, you know, I, I had them, but I didn't really hunt for them. I, I hunted the next ones down, the next level down. And then, and then the service providers, all the contractors that did work for them, those people had serious money. Those are, but where are you going and are you being seen? So Diane worked um, nights. And so when we first got going, she was a, 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 a wait staff at a really high end um, restaurant. And it was uh, named Oscars. Uh, he's from Spain. Still the best food I've ever had. My favorite restaurant everywhere I've gone across the world, 20, 22 different countries. Uh, paella, Spanish style paella, second to none. He, this guy had at any given time in his restaurant on a Saturday night, you could go in there and it was a who's who of a Hollywood. I mean, Bruce Willis, uh, I, I could just go down. Steve Wynn was there all the time when he was in town. He had a house there. But Bruce and Demi were in there all the time, almost every weekend. Uh, it was just, it was just, it was unbelievable. Well, they had when they rebuilt the restaurant, um, or excuse me, it was Felix, not not Oscars. Felix's. When they rebuilt it, it's where Felix lived. It was the house he grew up in. They converted it into a restaurant. His mom wanted him to do it. It's really ski towns. That's what they do: is they convert houses into restaurants and other businesses. So here you are at Felix's restaurant where he grew up is the house that he was raised in. And his mom gifted it to him because she wanted him to do something that would stand out and change his life. And so at 60-something years old, he built that restaurant. There was one table that was a two-spot, only two people, and it was right over a vent, and it was kind of back a, a little bit set back. You could see it from the whole restaurant. But they didn't like to put people there because of the vent, whether it was the air conditioning or the heating. They could turn it down, but then that area would get cold or hot. And so Diane and I made a deal with them. And we said, listen, we want to come in every Saturday night at 7 o'clock. We're going to buy a bottle of wine. We're going to buy a, an hors d'oeuvre. And we're going to have dessert because that's all we can afford. This place was pretty expensive. And we were, we, were, we were where our customers were. And we didn't have to introduce because I remember one time Bruce Willis was really – he's uh, – He's not quiet. He wasn't a quiet guy or isn't a quiet guy is that we're sitting there and all of a sudden he goes, Hey, Rennie, come here. And he calls me over there and he introduces me. One of his friends had just bought a place there. And two weeks later, I'm working on that guy's collection. He had a killer collection. Uh, Willis had a, a, a killer collection. What I'm saying here is put yourself where that high end client is, is if it's, if the golfing is big in your area, figure out how to build a relationship with that, with that country club, and be seen there, be top of mind where you're constantly there. Also be an asset to where you're educating. Don't just be a service provider is that you want to provide them. We used to say entertain them and educate them. Is, and so what we would do is we would explain what we did to their car. We also kept our standards. We were never cocky. We were very professional, but we were very proud of what we did. And we didn't allow to be pushed down. Uh, meaning that we didn't, our, our prices weren't cheap. Um, I would rather do something else than offer a cheap price. I'm just, I, I've got to meet the demand of what it does to, you know, my cost of business got to be covered. My burn rate's got to be covered. 
Uh, but you've got to put yourself where those customers are. And somehow I searched, man, if you go back through the last 20 years of dressing different. And I mean, I was on there as a dad for many years. and I wasn't even buying my clothes. You know, I was so busy just working. Then I come home and I just wear whatever it was. And then one day I looked at a picture and I was like, I would never wear that. Why am I wearing that in that picture? And I look back at the last 20 pictures. I, I, I'd never wear any of that. What had happened is I wasn't me. And so when I became me, honestly me, and presented myself that way to people, we were clean, we were courteous, we, we actually marketed that we were a family. Um, not too much, but people knew that we had kids. We didn't put our kids out there. Our kids didn't like that, matter of fact, still don't. Um, but we knew, we knew, people knew we had dogs. People knew our history was search and rescue. Um, it, it still happens to today. And so you've gotta be, you've gotta be, turn yourself into somebody that's memorable and make yourself valuable. They will pick up that phone when you're valuable. There was a time where in, in, in my career is we had another business aside from the, from in, in, in another industry. And I could call, I had a long list of customers, Hollywood celebrity names. I could call them on their cell phone and ask them a question and they pick up. Why? Because I'd brought value to their life and I was memorable. Um, and you look, look at me, I'm nothing special. You know, I'm less than special, far less than average. I married way up. Thank goodness. Suckered into that when I was young. But the thing that I did is I care about people. I was always um, courteous. I never sold anything I didn't believe in. I did a few times and I hated it. I still regret it to this day. Uh, and, and I just connected with people on a very natural, uh, mutual beneficial wavelength, meaning that I wanted my services to be a value to them, but I had to get the price I needed to allow myself to live the lifestyle I wish to live. And so we didn't get beat down with that. So, you I, you know, again, I don't know how long you're into this, but make yourself memorable. And it's going to take seat time. Yep. And and beyond, uh, you know, making yourself memorable is certainly the, the right way to go. You want to keep that dialogue with those clients. But if they are this, so successful that they have a uh, a assistant or a hitman helping them out um maybe you need to build a relationship with that person to get in front of them absolutely and it's you know we had uh for uh steve Wynn is we had uh i won't say his name we had his main contact um was it was had become a good friend and we talked to steve Wynn once out of every 25 services we we we, we had him as a customer on both of our companies and so um, we didn't really talk to him, but we talked to his assistant all the time. So if you are in one of those markets that got that, that's is Chris just hit that is you want to make a build a relationship because if you build trust up with that person or the wife. So if you've got a busy entrepreneur or the husband, um, if you've got a really busy entrepreneur and the wife or husband is kind of managing things, make sure to build a good relationship with them that their trust in you will will translate over into that that primary person that's that that's saying yay or nay. Very cool. Hey, next one is uh, pretty easy, but it's a good question. Uh, Eno, I think is his name. Cool man. Um, asked, how do you join the Air Force One detailing team? Um, that's the only way through is our five day training. Is you come through. It's all we, we have an application process for everybody that came through the five day. 
we've got roughly right just just at 200 members uh, and hovers right around there uh so, so it comes out of our think tank once we get through training i mean there's a lot of detail in education and how to and this and that but mainly it's how to run a business and so uh, we have an application process for those individuals uh and then some of the uh we have our guest up this year's 20 years so we're having a big gala party so we're inviting some special vips from without within the industry uh and that's how you get there that's the only way that's we're the gatekeeper on that yeah you know the uh Members of the Air Force One detailing team are selected from members of our, our network group, the Detail Mafia. Um, and members that want to join the team have to apply. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's actually uh, something we've started doing to where, you know, they apply and the advisory board that we have runs through the applications and helps make those selections. Um, but members, you know, people that are members of the Detail Mafia uh, they first had to attend the five-day training through Detailing Success. Every every member of the Detail Mafia has the same baseline education that way. You know, it, it makes it to where we're vetted is that we know you know who it is, and then the application process, just making sure their heart's in the right spot, that they're participating, uh, that that they're not you know drama developers, uh, uh, that they're a team player, that they're not one. You know, we had one guy one time show up, great guy. But he basically bought it, brought his own camera crew, you know, just told us, hey, just set me off to the side. I'll see you on Friday. We're like, uh, yeah, no. Uh, you know, so it's a volunteer program. Believe it or not, Diane and I, um, the last couple of years, we've been able to not write a big check for it. We've been able to break even. This year's going to be a tough one. We'll see what happens. So it's not, it's pride out of anything. We don't just do Air Force One. Uh, this year, what is it, seven or eight planes total that we're working on. Some of it's, some of it's preservation where we're just cleaning it and printing preservers on it uh other ones are a lot you know we're, we've got years probably a decade i mean detail air force one we're finally getting the leading edges done because they were really beat up we the, the metal and the paint was so bad it took us this many years to get it to its maximum potential so now we finally there was a test spot i did 20 years ago almost 21 years ago now that we finally got on the leading edges so that you know it's a process we're going to be there well after I'm gone, you know, still not just preserving these aircraft, but but uh, uh, fine tuning them. So it's pretty pretty cool. Somebody asked about boats, boat detailing. We're actually looking at that. We got a partner in our group, uh, so we'll bring more details to that. We're actually looking at aircraft, the aircraft detailing side of it too. Uh, so we'll 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 be putting more information out about boats and aircraft um, later this year or maybe next year. Yeah. Hey, hey, Josh, regarding boats, though, um, I mean, I know it's not training, um, but the IDA does have certifications now. Those are written tests for both boats and uh, and also they just added motorcycles. So but but it's definitely not hands on training. So that would be different. Yeah. So cool. Um, next one. Oops. Get that to stay up here. There we go. Nathan Garrett asks, how often do you stop and listen to your body while detailing? Oh, Nathan, what's up? All the time, nonstop. Is that, matter of fact, is that, you know, I've been an, an athlete my entire life, one way or the other. And uh, I always tell people now, at my age, I'm, I'm, I'm thick and fit, and I like it because um, I love food. But I still like to work out. Is that, is, it's all getting creative motions. So when we're teaching people all the way from our youngest students, you know, 18, 19 years old, uh, all the way up, we've had students come at 70, 71 years old, and they, believe it or not, kill it. 
but we teach very, um, very body safe techniques to not your first thing is going to go is your shoulders. You're going to, you're going to wipe your shoulders out, uh, and your back, probably both those at the same time. And so, you know, it's, it's keeping fluid. It's making, you know, making sure that you're not bent over and all crepid. The other thing, a lot of people is your body wearing out is exposure to chemicals. If it's on you, it's in you. Um, and so, you know, it's also is getting enough sleep. A lot of people, entrepreneurs, oh, I'm grinding 24 seven bullshit. Even now you go into special forces teams or you go into pilots is that their, their requirement for sleep. Sometimes they can't cause they're all gunned up, but the requirements for sleep has changed a lot. We've, we've realized uh, that we as humans, you know, they're superhumans, which 99.9% of us aren't that can survive, not thrive, survive off of four or five hours sleep. Uh, I'm full of energy today. I got probably about four and a half, five hours last night. I'm fine, but I can't do that all the time. My body requires a good seven and a half, eight hours of sleep, probably four or five days a week if I'm listening to my body. Uh, also, mind rest is that you don't want to take and be constantly, if you're constantly on, it's just like a jet airplane. If it's constantly an afterburning mode, you're just going to wear, you know, you're going to burn, the, you're going to burn the exhaust right off the back end of it. Uh, you're going to break everything. You're going to wear down. You're going to run out of fuel really quick. You might be in a spot where uh, the refuelers can't reach you. It's the same in business. And so you've got to look at burnout. You've got to look at all these things. But that's a really good question is, you know, how do you listen to your body is, believe it or not, by not overworking. And then also now, I'm telling you, I, I mentioned earlier that question. What do I do to start a new business? Listen, I love paint correction, but we live in a time to where we can make just as much per hour of not touching a polisher to paint in the right markets as we can touching a polisher. And the customers are just as happy. We can provide an amazing service. And yeah, the cars aren't, most people don't know, take a, 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 a line from Mike Phillips. They don't know a, a swirl from a squirrel is that, so if you live in a market where people just want shiny protected paint is that I'm going to give that to them. I, I'll, I'll, I'll constantly, I'll constantly be able to deliver you know, high class, high, high level paint correction, but there's a cost to that mentally, physically, financially, uh, everything else. And so, you know, that's a great question. So check your body all the time. And it, it's not, it's a 360 degree check. Are you eating right? So many blue car entrepreneurs eat like shit is they don't, you know, they don't feed themselves right. They eat junk on the, on the road, uh, or they don't eat at all. Um, you know, which sometimes I did a 24 hour fast yesterday is it's okay, but you got to You got to feed your body too. And you got to feed your mind and you got to rest your body in life. Oh, speaking of feeding my body, that trip to Chicago cost Jeez. me five pounds. Really? Yes. <laughs> we had some good food, man. They were no. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, the bays. What a great, what a, what a great event. I mean, it was just over the top and I can't, for, for, it wasn't their first one. You, it looked like they did this 10 times. It yep. wasn't a good first one. It was a good one, period. Got a couple of questions from some Detail Mafia members. Um, uh, Tony, I think it's Mazel, if I remember right how you pronounce it. Um, anyway, my interior detailing customers get sticker shock at, at around $300, $300. How do I explain maximum potential and convey the value of a $300 plus interior detail. 
is, uh, you know, I would, I would take and work off technology. So good before and afters, you know, both video and still photos. I would also talk about the science of it. And I, would, I wouldn't talk down my competition, but I would greatly say, you know, most of my competition, most of the, because um, Tony's in northern, northern Los Angeles County, is I would take and say, you know, a lot of people soak the car, saturate the car. They don't neutralize uh, the chemicals. And so the car is going to stay, uh, it's going to get dirtier faster. And so um, a lot of the chemicals they use are going to eat at the fabric of the, of the fabric itself. Uh, or the foam. Uh, a lot of times what they're using on leather is totally inappropriate. It, it's going to long term, you're not going to see it immediately, but long term damage on leather is going to be consistent. Uh, carpets, they're going to start breaking down the glue. Once they start doing that, there's going to be an odor in the car that we simply can't get rid of. Uh, and so you've got to determine, uh, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, what's more important for you, price or quality? And if it's if it's price, send them, send them the shittiest competitor you've got and let that competitor fill up their schedule with crap work and you keep taking the stuff that makes money is you can only do is. And again, you know, your biggest thing is drafting in from other areas, you know, is that people, people start seeing your work, your before and afters. And then also looking, you know, the customers that if their cars get that bad, are they going to let it get that bad? And is that your ideal client is maybe start hitting up the people, look for the customers that, lease cars, you know, maybe look at the, the customers that um, don't have school age kids, you know, it's, 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 and then definitely, you know, we've seen, you know, our own daughter does a pretty good job. She's 19. Her car's not too bad, but it's definitely, yeah, I've never had a car look like that, <laughs> you know, but she does, she doesn't do too bad. She doesn't do too bad, but you know, it's, it's all how you're targeting. And again, I'll go back to a statement made earlier. Who are you? Who's in your circle? So what circles are you in is you might not be in your customer circle, but if, if they like you, they're going to bring you into that circle. And so that, that upper end customer, and it might be a contractor. We did really good with contractors. We did really good with uh, um, all the different, all the, all the different uh, um, trades. We also did really well with landscape contractors and we did really well with high end maid services, housekeeping services. And so those people, gave us a lot of exposure to their clientele and it just kept on, it just kept growing. So, you know, if you're getting constant calls from trash or cars, look at your advertising, what's your message about it, you say, maybe tighten up your message, maybe tighten up your website a little bit um, and, and, and kind of start trying to weed out uh, those people that um, are a little more price sensitive. I always would just told people is, um, I look at it and I would, I would, I would give, I show them the full menu. And if they came back in that, wow, it's, that's pretty, it's pretty high. I'd say straight out. What is the, what's the most important element? Is it, is it price or quality? And if they, or, you know, I'd end it like this a lot of times because you can't have both, you know, and if you do, it's just a short term. I'm a family. I've got family. We invest back in our community. Uh, we support a lot of community events. And so, you know, anybody that's doing it is giveaway. They're, they're not giving anything to, to, the, to the community. Now, a lot of people don't care. And so you've just, it's seat time. It's keeping with the message. And, and is your market ripe for it? Um, and, it? And again, maybe it's one of those that if you keep keeping those people come back and the cars are trashed, you can't, you can't even get 300 bucks for it. Maybe you start targeting, you know, paint correction coatings or wash clays and protects or wash clays and coats and just stay away from that market completely.
there you go. Price it as you need. Make some money. If they don't accept it, then, you know, look at everything. Look 360 degrees around you and see what you're sending out, but also look at your market, and it might be a market problem. Next one, uh, Rick Kolb. Uh, I'm currently a mobile detailer. If given the opportunity to build a home-based shop or rent a shop, what would you do? My house is sitting 45 yards away. <laughs> it's right here. Uh, yeah, this, your, your, your home-based shop is a little different than most. Yeah, well, it is, but it's sitting, it's sitting right here. Uh, I'll tell you a story is, is that, you know, A, can you do it legally? That's the first thing you ask yourself. B, what's your clientele? What's the message you're going to send? A lot of, so, so I'll tell you a story. Our youngest daughter, Darren, is 19 now. When she was four, uh, we had two, we had two local, localized shops. One, one, one was about two hours away from where we lived. And it was kind of a, kind of a sub shop, right? Uh, and then we had our primary shop uh, there. So, I decided to work out of, we had two garages. We had a main garage and then we, we built a secondary garage in the backyard when we built the house. I decided to take a whole year and just work out of that shop doing all of my high-end customers. And um, we'd bring them there. I was really concerned. You know, we had a nice house, decent house. It looked professional. Um, we got it to where everything looked great. But I was concerned that the customers wouldn't dig it. At the end of that year, I started going back to the shop when she went to school and I had customers, those same high end customers going, well, hey, can I just have you do it at your home shop? I really like having pe no people around it. And I was like, are you kidding me? And so until we sold that shop, I did a lot of my personal high end stuff that people that paid just for me to work on it. I did at my home shop and um, it was legal. It was above board. I had to do some serious selling to get it there. We couldn't use water, uh, so to say, to wash it. So what I did is I, I utilized a, a wash bay that was about a mile away from our, our property. And then we come back and finish it up with a no rinse. So I get the wheels, the tires, undercarriage, engine, all that done if I was doing it at a remote location, then drive it back over. My insurance covered me. That's the other thing to ask is your insurance is going to cover you on transporting or driving people's vehicles and what the distance is and how much it's going to cost you. So I, I would say absolutely, I think it's a trend. We've got a lot of people doing that now. Um, we've got people in our group that's done that legally and successfully. I love it because you're not investing in somebody else's. If you could buy a shop, it's even better. Rick, I was talking about uh, Rick Walling up in Oregon. You know, he owns his home in town, and then he bought a commercial building. And, you know, part of his, and guys, I don't care if you're 20, is that you're going to want to retire. Why ever retire, retire? Got to no. Am I going to take and run my businesses? You know, I learned from my mentors is you're not you when you arrive at a location where you're making money 24, seven, eight hours when you're sleeping is that you're in a pretty good spot. And so I want to continue with that. We've got, you know, when Chris is on his way up here today, we're going to talk about some of those businesses and opportunities I'm looking at right now. But Rick, Rick Walling's looking at when he retires, you know, is he's got a good plan for his, his shop, his detailing business. But he's got a plant. No matter what, he's got that shop, and it's very in demand and very needed. He's got income the rest of his life from that. That's why I think the biggest change in in the industry is that that people is 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 education, and then the level of professional entrepreneur we're bringing in has changed. And then, but people are building and owning shops, and that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Yep. All right, next one. I have a second one from Daniel Lang. 
He asked, when and how did you transition from detailer to trainer? Um, I did it at a time when it, when, when it was quiet. And so what, so I, I've, I've, I've always, so you, so, so the government has spent a shitload of money, um, training me on how to be a trainer. Uh, it started when I was, I went to my first trainer trainer program with the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. Oh no, no, hold, hold on, hold on. Let's go even back for that Boise State ROTC. I went through a leadership course at Boise State University through ROTC in 1986. And I was 19 years old. And so ever since then at 19, but it even goes back before that, you go into, I was into scouting. And I went to a class that they put for our council in Southern California and was the patrol leader. And so they had a patrol leaders workshop. And so my ability to lead and train is through education is getting it. Not everybody's a good trainer. It, it's, it's a lot harder than what people think. So in, de in the detailing industry, 2005, I had somebody contact me. We had set up our own um, certification program at our shops. We had six shops and uh, three of them I, I directly own. The other three, uh, believe it or not, were franchise operations or license operations back in the day. And so we developed this whole big handbook. We went, we, we trained them. We certified ourselves. Why? Because I wanted to stand out as a international, because we'd done some international work at that time, recognized, trained, and certified detailer, our staff. So is we first, we, we had three classifications. And to become a master, we only had three masters in all of our shop. It was serious. We put this on ourselves. There was no other one. We developed it ourselves. It took three to four years to become a master at our shops. And what that meant was that you could work independently in our shops and we're a problem solver. I didn't have to take and babysit you. And that's why there are so few that did it. So flash forward, the forms come around 04, somewhere in there, 05. Matt Williams, our first private student. I've been doing classes, open garages, um, you know, at uh, storefront um, stuff at, for manufacturers. Uh, I've been training uh, at that time going back to 99, 2000. Uh, I, I was I was speaking on behalf of Aeroshell Shell Shell Oil Corporation. I was training. We wrote the book on aircraft detailing. I still have the little book. It's the Air Care Guide called the Air Care Guide. They still hand it out all these years later. If you want to see me with hair, there's a picture in there of me with hair. Um, and so uh, it goes all the way back to that. So I was priming myself as a kid, but just didn't know it. Is that I was priming myself to learn how to teach. And so in 05, when we when Matt Williams come in, um, is that Marysville, Ohio, I still remember, and just a great kid. He was just out of college. He was dating this really hot chick. Uh, that hot chick ended up being his wife. They have kids. They have houses. They have different businesses. They got rental properties. It's been cool to, to watch Matt Williams grow as a, as a human. Um, and it just kind of blossomed from there. So we started doing private trainings. Then we, we it evolves. Our training – Next month will be completely different than the one here. Um, back in 05, when I started that, it wasn't loud. It wasn't noisy. Today, to get into this, you got to figure behind us. What do we figure out sitting in here, Chris, if you're going to replace all this stuff? Quarter million bucks? Oh, man, it's a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's not including the shop. Just just the gear that's in it is to run an effective program. That's a big investment. And, and here's the thing. If you're going to go into it, you got to look. I'm not the big guy. I mean, I've got 
all these manufacturers I've got relationships with. You open up these cabinets, and, and it's pretty cool. We're redoing it. I'm going to slide this over there. But they're filled with all the different great manufacturers, got relationships with them. But I'm competing with some of the biggest names in auto care. I mean, you got Grios. They've been in the house. PNS, you know, is our partnership and in, in our line, you know, the Rennie Doyle line right in that is that it's really loud these days. And if I was going into it today, the last thing I would do is get into training unless I was going to go to as a corporate trainer for one of them. And I'm not, I'm not worried about competition. I'm not saying that because of that. I'm just saying the return on investment. Now what I have to put into this, I would put a spa in with PPF, window film, paint correction, coatings, wash clay coats, send them out the door and, and make a whole lot more money. Not to discourage anybody, but that's just hard hard facts. <laughs> it uh, and it, it certainly didn't happen overnight either. No, yeah. Let's see. I mean, we're we are we are damn near twenty years. When we did Air Force One twenty years ago for the first time, we weren't training. I was doing open garages with Shell. I was having. I was at all the big air shows speaking. Uh, so I've been at this a long time. Two ninety nine was uh, when we went overseas the first time with Shell. And then I went to Oshkosh for 11 or 12 years. I went to Sun and Fun. I went to Reno Air Races. I went to AO, AOPA. I went to Paris Air Show. I went to all these different shows. And, and again, <clears throat> Shell Oil, kind of a big company. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, they spent a lot of money of putting me through their corporate training to learn how to connect with people, read people, um, how to convey, how to, how to communicate. It's, it's, it was just a series of you know, uh, the stars and the moons lining up. Uh, someday somebody's going to replace me here. You know who that's going to be. Um, don't know, you know, but it's, it's, we all have an expiration date, uh, both in, 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 in business and in life, uh, before we go on to the next great thing. And, and, and that person's going to have to be groomed for a while, but he or she's out there and they're going to do it even better than I do. Well, speaking of, uh, the next great thing, I think this is a carryover question from last time, but uh, Richard said, if you were to go into any other business, what would it be? Self-storage. Oh, yeah, there you go. They're getting some of my money right now. Self-storage. <laughs> and here's why. I was actually in, I invested in some with a buddy of mine. He's still in it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I probably, it's, it's a PG show. It, he, I'm, I'm going to say it because Dave... Dave is the guy that really uh, Dave Morris up out, out of Sun Valley, Idaho. He actually actually worked, lives up in Stanley, Idaho now. Um, Dave is my angel. He, he got me going on the aircraft side of things back in the 90s. And uh, Dave's just an incredible guy. But he says self-storage is like prostitution. Is that you, you have it, you rent it out, um, and when you're done, you still have it. And you rent it out. And you just all you have to do is Basically, clean it, receive the payment, do the do the deed, and then and as long as they want you, um, you stay around. And so it's um, self storage because now it's all automated. I, I like things that don't take. I, I would have one person also, our buddy <clears throat> Greg McKay, up out of Washington, Woodenville, Washington. He's got a really cool self serve car wash, a really high end one. Um, that would be probably equal to the problem with self-storage is going to cost you a bit, especially now land's really expensive. These things back in the day, 
Uh, yep. Back 10 years, 12 years ago, there's a lot of people retiring out. Was the, They were the first wave of, of self-storage developers. Uh, they were selling their places. And they needed a lot of renovating. It was kind of good deals. I'm not sure if that's still happening or not. I look at it. And, but the car wash, but not the big car wash. With Personnel is going to be, it's a big problem right now. You know, it's a big, big problem is, is, is the people problem for a lot of companies. If you're a good company and you pay well and you've got a great environment, a great culture, it won't be a, a, a problem. You just got to find the right people. But that is a problem. But those those two businesses I would seriously look at. Uh, and then uh, there's there's several others. But if, if you know, as we're going down through and then the other thing is, is this this the whole Airbnb thing. If I've, I've got my buddy, uh, Bobby Wiener, we've uh, joined forces with the challenge five, five for five, meaning five properties in five years is there's software you can buy. It's not cheap, but there's professionals that will guide you through it. Um, Bobby and I, I mean, we don't talk as much the last couple of weeks because we've been kind of busy, but I am in the, you know, we're looking right now uh, for a property here to put our students in that we're going to double over <clears throat> and use as an Airbnb is I'd be looking at that as you buy. If I was back 19, 20 years old, there's no way with Airbnbs are going, I wouldn't have sold my house. My first house, I'd still have it. And I'd be either long-term renting it, most likely just Airbnb in it. Uh, my neighborhood, it wouldn't go though. Never mind. Because nobody's going there unless they want to. <laughs> yeah. Same, same for my neighborhood. Yeah. It's you carnage. They, they, they could go for a carnage tour. You know, I mean, why rent an Airbnb when you could just park your RV on the street and live? Oh, yeah. There you go. I like that. Throw a mattress <laughs> in a trailer and call it home. Yep. Cool. Um, I got a, I got one more here from last cool. time that uh, we didn't get to. Uh, I'm located in Ohio. My clients are asking for weekly wash packages. How would you structure something like this? And what would be a good price to charge? Oh, man, we love this. We had this as our... We called it back in the day, our gold medallion membership. And I would, everybody thought it was the dumbest thing is that we had a weekly package to where, A, we had to start out by detailing, completely bringing your car up to our standards inside now. So that's where it started. We had to bring it up. We had to get it coded inside now. So they paid for that, right? Then back then we were charging about three, 300. It, it wouldn't work now. I'd probably be three seventy-five to four fifty a month uh, for each car, and it was called the perfect, the gold medallion, perfect car membership. The reason there was gold medallion, we didn't even call, call it that, is we had we had special cards that the the members had that had like a gold medallion, and we had one guy in our shop that was was uh, he he was the contact. They didn't even call our office. Is they had a concierge, a detailing concierge, is that they would get a hold of them. And they had direct access to them is they had a little gold medallion sticker uh, on their car that showed that they're members. So if they're at if they're at the country club that we serviced or they're at another facility, we knew it was their car, you know, and and, and really what it was is it, it was kind of like having an iPhone is you look over. Ooh, what iPhone do you have? You know, I got the 13. <laughs> I got the 14. It was a it was it wasn't for two years. I couldn't sell it. And then one of my main mentors is, oh, God, this guy was brilliant. He goes, Rennie, you're not charging enough. He says, the other thing is, I didn't even know about your offering that. I've got seven cars. How much is it going to cost me for all seven? You know? And I said, well, I don't know, man. I'll have to do the numbers. He goes, you don't have a price? And I said, I do. But with seven cars, he goes, I don't want a discount. I want it good. 
and that set a wave off. We had all 25 spots sold out within six months. I've been trying to, it took one right person to spread the word. He was connected though. He was involved in everything in the community. He was, it was, is again, remember what I talked about in an early conversation is he was part of the local chamber. He was part of, he did everything. They had a real elite skeleton club, all this shit up there that, you know, the special handshake, woo, you know, stuff that, I mean, they, I couldn't get invited to where this guy went daily, but I got invited daily because he bragged about us as I was on top of mind. And I'll tell you that ran the whole time we owned that, that shop and it was killer. You've got to charge enough. You got to touch that vehicle every single week. And it, every time, the only thing that wasn't included was spills, odors, road paint, or we had, we had up there, uh, mag chloride. And so we had to charge them extra mag chloride is what they put on the roads. Uh, when it gets icy, for those that don't know. So mag chloride removal was extra. But every time we'd touch that car every week, we'd either we'd deep clean the leather, we'd, clean the, we'd steam the carpets, um, we'd clean the vents, um, we would do a light polish and recoat. Is It was called the perfect car membership because that car looked perfect. And they, they paid a lot of money. You know, okay, go back. You know, 300 and I think it was three. It started out at three, three, 300 a month. And I think when we're done, it was up to 350 when we sold out at times 25. Yep. But you got to make sure, I mean, you got to make sure that it works in your favor, right? You got to be making what you want to make, right? Your, your oh, shop yeah. rate. And yeah. uh, you got to take the travel time into account and all that stuff. Well, and what we did is that price was, it was, okay, this is, um, oh man, I'm glad you said that. Is that price, that 300 a month was for them bringing it to the shop. Premium mobile service was $100 more a month. Okay. Now we worked in an area that the farthest we had to go was 15, 20 minutes. It wasn't any, we didn't have bad traffic. And, and that part of Idaho was, uh, oh my God, there's a herd of the, the herd of elk is in the way and they won't move. Um, you know, it was a, it wasn't a big problem, but, um, if you guys want to see where that was, just type in Sun Valley, Idaho, go, go, go check it out. Go, go type in. If you really want to see something, is uh, Allen and Company event. Google Allen and Company event. And you'll freak out. That's where of, of that event of who's there over the years. It's pretty it's pretty pretty crazy. So um, that membership is really difficult to do. It's not easy. Um, in my estimate, you either need just a handful, maybe six. I only did it on certain days when we started. We only everybody wanted Friday and Saturdays. And so we did Friday and Saturday. Those are the only days we started out with. Um, because now during the busy season from April 1st until September 1st, we were open six days a week. Uh, we would rotate our, our, our leads. Uh, most of them, they wanted to work as much as they could in the summertime. So most of them were there. But if they did want a weekend off. Now, the rest of the year, we were shut down. Uh, we, were, we were closed on Saturday, Sundays, and Mondays. Uh, during the slow time is, and I paid my guys 40 hours. They loved it. They'd come in Tuesday through Friday, get the week done, clean up the shop, do the work. And it got to the point where we didn't, we never, we didn't make a lot of money during the winter time. Uh, but I never took out the savings anymore. I, I paid the guys full time. Wasn't coming out of my pocket. I had a great culture. We didn't lose people. Uh, we lost seasonal people, but I, I mean, I hate to say I didn't care, but I didn't care. But our, our main core people stayed around. Well, you know, that's probably a pretty good stopping point right there. I wish I could take in and come back. There's so many great um, 
Lots of lots of good comments. Yeah, great comments, and I wish we could really take and share them because there's so many. But uh, thank you all for you know being here. This is probably my favorite my favorite podcast of the month. Um, we just got we got a lot of cool stuff happening, you know, popping up, and the next the next sixty days is next ninety days is just going to be incredible. Is that just absolutely incredible? And as some of my best friends will bring you into the loop as soon as we can. We'll we'll give you guys a sneak peek before anybody. How's that? Um, there you, know, go. you, you and uh, 11,900 of our best friends. And so, <laughs> but, uh, we do appreciate, you, you know, as I put a challenge out with a, a Sunday message is that, you know, go out and, uh, and, and make something and, and, and try to take and increase your sales every day this week, but go over. You didn't watch my challenge video, uh, that I did uh, over on the PNS channel on Instagram, go watch it. And uh, respond to that because I responded to everybody. I've been checking it a couple times a day to make sure I'm responding to everybody. Uh, but go over there and accept that challenge. Is that you know, is discipline's a big one. And 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 I've got you know I, I can be a lazy person if I'm not disciplined. But I'm disciplined, so I'm hardly ever lazy. Uh, you know, yesterday I I came in. I was so I got a killer workout in. I was on the phone. I had to recharge my phone three times. Uh, I talked to so many amazing people, so many opportunities. So I'm just saying, calling up to say hi. But uh, it was just yesterday was an incredible day. But when I was done, I walked in. Uh, I was out. I was I was working in the shop for about ten hours, which is it was an intense day. And so Diane comes in, she wanted to do some stuff, and I'm like, my mind's done. Turning my mind off. I'm going to read. I'm going to study a little bit of stuff that I like to study. And it comes back. You know, watch your watch your body as you're detailing, but watch your mind. And, uh, and, and and keep physically and mentally healthy. So with that, we will see you guys. Uh, well, next week, we won't be on next week. We're traveling. No, again. I think. No, no. next week, next week no, we're next here. Next week it's we are. Week, two weeks. It's the week after. Week. Yeah. Next yeah. week I get to go. Uh, Rip and I get to go next week is uh, our, our drill weekend, our long drill weekend. So we're going to go. We're going to be driving right by you. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You'll have to pass through. Yeah. We'll yeah. Next ne next week on May tenth, um, assuming nothing's changed that I forgot about, uh, we the topic is going to be hesitation can kill you or save you in business. I like it. So, no one to punch it. No one to. I don't like putting the brakes on a business. I don't know if I've ever put the brakes on, but uh, there's definitely a time to slow roll it and see what happens. So, hey, yeah. go out and have a powerful week, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Rennie Doyle podcast brought to you by Detailing Success and PNS Double Black. Listen to new episodes weekly and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to share with your friends and colleagues. 